Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome into another episode of Leftovers Podcast. Derek Kramer. Frank R. Curry. Where we also get the calls wrong from time to time here on WGR550.com and On Demand Audio. We'll talk about the drama of yet another playoff series mired in controversy and mm-hmm. yet again the Sharks somehow continue to be involved. Mm. Is there is there a shadow government going on? We'll find out more on that later. But the Sabres did something pretty important here, Frank. They hired a coach. Coach Watch is over. Coach Watch is indeed over. They bring in Ralph Kruger, who decided, you know, it's ba- it's time to get back into hockey. Yep. So, his NHL coaching stint was with the Edmonton Oilers. So, what did we do? We brought in Jeff Chapman, who writes about the Oilers for SB Nation. Copper and blue. Copper and blue. Yep. And a and an old friend of ours as well. Chappie, it's Derek, it's Frank. How you doing, my friend? Oh, any better than be two of me. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I hear that there's a coach. Yes, there is a coach, and we got some questions. Because, oh. yes, I mean, you did get to uh, take a look at Ralph Kruger in a very limited time, but at the same time, I feel like you might know a little bit more about Ralph Kruger than we would right off the start. Well, uh, as far as that goes, he was around for the abbreviated – you know, the abbreviated lockout season in 2013. And mm-hmm. uh, the Oilers were currently going through, you know, whatever coaching carousel that they were in the midst of. So, yeah, I got to see him for a few dozen games uh, in 2013. And uh, he's kind of a different a different breed of coach than what uh, you or I are normally, you know, what we'd expect to hire to be. All right. So about Kruger in particular with uh, what his coaching style is, is he a guy that is – going to be Phil Housley trying to put a square peg in a round hole, or is he someone that will be willing to adapt to the offensive talents that a team would have? Well, I mean, I think every coach has some stubbornness into them, and every coach has kind of some preconceived ideas that are, you know, as you, as you go on in your coaching career, you're going to change. Uh, I think there's a little stubbornness in Ralph Kruger, but I also think that, you know, to get where he's gotten and to be, have his hands in some, or his irons in so many fires, that you have to be willing to adapt. And you're, you're going to look and you're going to hear a lot about the 2013 Oilers, about how they kind of fell by the wayside at the end there. And I, I caution you not to look too much into that because, you know, everybody goes on a, on a, on a bad streak and everybody has a good streak. I mean, I, I don't have to tell you guys that because, you know, look at the last season where you had it, you know, you were, you were first in the league for a little while and then, you know, the wheels just kind of fell off. So to answer your question, uh, I think he's willing to adapt. You're going to hear the word cerebral tossed around a lot. Oh, he's a cerebral thinker. Well, he, I just think that he's willing to try things and if this doesn't work, I don't see why he won't stir up the pot a little bit. Uh, Talk about his time in Edmonton 
with the year, the season, the half season that he was the head coach, but also when when he was an associate coach too with the Oilers from 2010 to 2012. Um, just talk about his time there and like what you saw out of him. Well, like if you if, if you take a look at the head coaching time, you know, I mean, first off, you, you're you're going back on a really dark period uh, of Oiler hockey. I mean, they won three of the you know the, that was the three draft picks they won first in a row. And, uh, I mean, you had Taylor Hall and you had Ryan Nugent Hopkins and, to a lesser extent, Niall Yakupov, who were really big offensive talents. And, you know, that that was supposed to be the star of the show. Uh, those were the stars of the show. But when Kruger became in power, you know, he, he kind of you know, he tried things, and they were different. You know, there was a term six years ago called the Belanger Triangle. They signed Eric Belanger because they needed more actual NHL players. And Kruger tried, you know, pretty much making him the 3C. And when that didn't work, they made him the fourth center. Uh, so, you know, this guy was brought in to kind of shore up things and, you know, it didn't quite work the way that they wanted it to. Uh, but, you know, it kind of pigeons on my last question a little bit is that he's willing to try things. He's not so much stubborn the fact that he's going to play like Vladimir Sabatka over and over and over again for 25 straight games. So, you know, I, I think you're going to learn real quick that, uh, you know he, uh, you know he, he's he's willing to try new things and he's uh, willing to make the best of a bad situation. That that probably couldn't have been better said. There, I mean, you throw a Sabaka not being played twenty five straight games as a two C, that'd be that'd be fantastic. Uh, but I looked actually at a lot of the uh, the numbers from that twenty twelve twenty thirteen team, Chappie, and you know you lose that nine of ten toward the end of the season. They were in a playoff spot late on through the push there but something that doesn't really get brought up is that there were seven players that were at least half a point per game so depth scoring all throughout the lineup Taylor Hall was 50 points in 48 games so you look at this and you can see that this is a guy who still can go ahead and cater to top end talent right you're going to see that he's going to play well to his star players I think you know uh, I mean you play talent with talent I think that's one of the easiest things that, you know, it's, it's one of the more obvious things that you have to you have to go with, you know, for years, the Oilers were real short on talent up front. So you'd see a guy like McTavish, he'd end up playing the star talent with a guy like J.F. Shaw, you know, just, just a, a regular, you know, I don't want to say a plug, but a guy who was there to antagonize. Kruger plays people, I mean, from what I've seen, he plays players to their strengths and, you know, he has a way of getting to them. So, uh, I, you know, uh, 48 games is kind of a, a small sample size to be making any real strong opinions about the guy. You know, you love him or you don't, but I, I think Buffalo is ready for a surprise. Yeah, I think that it's going to be uh, an interesting little thing to take a look at there because I look at the career of a guy like Nail Yakupov. He actually had his best season in goal scoring under Kruger in that shortened season. He had 17 goals. So perhaps, you know, it could be encouraging for him to look at young talent because you see a guy like a struggling Casey Middlestead who had a rough go of it in his first season as a professional. And the question is going to be, is Kruger going to be able to help turn things around for Casey Middlestat and younger players like that and Tage Thompson? Well, there's a lot of talk about him being an older coach, and he is going to be 60. But I, like I say, you know, there's, there's a lot of progression there. There's a lot of ability to relate, you know, and try new things, you know, for the, the younger crowd. And you know, today's hockey player is not the same players it was 10 years ago. is isn't the same players it was 25 years ago. So, I think one of the things that's made Kruger successful on everything that he's done is that he's able to relate. 
Um, and like I say, you know, he has 60, so people are going to be a little worried about that. But, you know, if he can somehow, you know, release the, you know, untapped potential of Tage Thompson or Casey Middlestad, I think everybody will agree almost instantaneously that the hire will have paid off. So, Chappie, with the rest of everything that has gone on with the Oilers and, uh, I remember that. What do you pro- mean? <laughs> I remember that process with. Uh, <laughs> I remember the process though with Kruger. He coached the shortened season, and it seemed like, you know, he was probably going to end up in serious consideration for the job. It was just something they were just that much more impressed with Dallas Eakins, I would imagine. Uh, you know, I, recency bias I think played a, a large part into it. You know, you look at the fact that you know you say, oh, they were in the playoffs. Well, Steve Van Winnie's big move at trade deadline to get them over the hump that year was to trade a, I believe it was a draft pick for Jared Smithson of the Florida Panthers at the time. And Smithson was a bottom six forward. And I don't know if you've seen that clip of uh Kruger on Oilers uh, on oil change, but you know, he's motivating everybody and everybody goes, yeah, that's great. Uh, there was a clip of Pambolini going, we're going for it. So, I mean, they, they, they traded, you know, for, for Jared Smithson and whatever. That was their big move. What does this all have to do with anything? Recency bias. They took a look at the you know the nine losses or nine out of ten or eight out of ten. And they were all against playoff caliber clubs, and they kind of went, "Well, we can't bring this guy back." That's how I I, I I assume it all went down. But I don't think that Eakins was just you know that much more enamoring. I just think that they looked at him and uh, they brought him in, and that was going to be the way. So Eakins had some you know crazy ideas, and you know so I say crazy. They were just different. No. Uh, he had 48 games, and unfortunately, I can't get a huge body of work on 48 games. I can't judge a guy after 48 games and go, this is what we're going to do. What do the Oilers see? I don't know. I think they're a bad hockey club, um, and they make bad decisions sometimes, most of the time, almost all the time. <laughs> so uh, they fired him via Skype, which I think is important, because uh, that just shows you how not a hide leather you know, the operation was at that time. So. What did they see? I don't know. I think they saw a different guy who was a good Canadian boy who was upstart, and, you know, he said the right things, and Kruger wasn't that. Now, you mentioned earlier on in this interview about don't look too much into that, uh, into that slide at the end of the season. What, do you, what would you, uh, what would you what, do you care to elaborate on that, I should say? Well, like, you know, we were talking about earlier, you know, the Sabres had a really big winning streak. And if you went back to November of last season, you'd say, oh, man, we're really, you know, the Sabres would say, you know, we're primed. All we got to do is play 500 hockey, and we're in this dance. Um, and then, you know, what happened in January happened. And so you can't really get the the wealth of a, of a man's work or wealth of a person's work over a small sample size. So nine, ten games, you might win them all. You might lose them all. I can't judge your entire coaching career on those nine or ten games, especially if all you have is 48 total. All right, well, so you, you mentioned, you know, that this is an Oilers team that makes bad decisions and everything like that. And you couldn't be talking to more of a mirror fan base as the Sabres right now. You know, I, I, I know I've known you for a while, and I know that you were a very uh, anti-Tim Murray guy, which I don't blame you for. So the current state of the Oilers, they are a team that is also looking at getting a coach. And what do you think they need to do in the direction that Edmonton needs to go into to get Connor McDavid back into the playoffs and let people see the best player in all of hockey? Well, they hired Ken Holland as their GM, which I'm really not wild about. I'm sorry. Uh, That's okay. 
uh, we're used to it. Uh, they hired Ken Holland, which, you know, based on his, his, you know, 10 games or his last 10 years have been almost, you know, they haven't been great. They need to hire, or they need to interview everyone. Uh, and similar to the GM search, which I don't even know if Holland got, a, got an interview, but they need to interview everyone they can. Uh, you know, find a guy who's progressive minded, who can speak to the younger folks, you know, and you know, the players and they can relate. You know, don't be afraid to try something new. Um, and, you know, if there's some talk right now, Dave Tippett, which I'm really not wild about, and there's some talk about bringing back Todd Nelson, who had a, who had a stint after Dallas Aikens got fired. Um, I'd be more in touch with that, more in tune with that. Uh, but I think they need to interview as many people as they can, you know, at least at least five, six people. Uh, and then they just, you know, they, they need to put, they need to put progress first and where they think the most progress can be made. And that seems simple and it sounds easier than it's done probably, but you know, the retreads are great, but we need to, you know, it's, it's going to be Connor McDavid's fifth year coming up now. And uh, it's almost the same song we were singing five years ago. So that's what they need to do. What do you think is going to end up being the biggest move of the off season for the Oilers? Is it going to be hiring that coach and trying to get the guys that are here now going or is there a certain move that they need to make in order to take that next step forward and get that progress as you just mentioned? I, I, I could think of the obvious one, uh, but you know, and that's getting rid of Milan Lucic in any way you can. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's the answer to your own question there. And the thing is, is that they need to find cast base and they need to find it fast. We don't know where the upper level will be set for the 2019, 2020. God, time goes fast. Don't ever get old. Uh, we, we don't know where the upper level, the upper limit's going to be on uh, 2019, 2020. So if it's something generous like $4 million and it becomes $83.5 million, that's still only going to leave the Oilers about 11 or $12 million in cap space to sign seven players. So you're either going to depend a ton on your rookies and your minimum wage guys, or you're going to find a way to create cap space. And that's the number one thing going in this offseason. I mean, yes, they have to hire a coach. Yes, they do, but they have to create cap space because they have guys like Ty Raddy and Zach Cassian on their top six, and that's not going to work. All right, so so they have to create some cap space, and they have to sign two scoring wingers. They have to sign, you know, or they have to hope to acquire a bottom four, you know, uh, or not a bottom four, excuse me, a top four puck-moving defenseman that doesn't cost Taylor Hall. They need to find another goaltender, whether it be a 1A or a 1B or a backup in case the wheels fall off on Nico Koskinen which was another questionable signing. So step one, yeah, find a coach. Step one, A, you got to create some cap space. And if Milan Lucic, I don't know if you got a chance to hear the interview about him saying sweet things about Vancouver. Uh, if he wants to go to Vancouver, they got to find a way to make that happen without busting the bank. So you want Rasmus Ristolainen? <laughs> uh, I have a lot of time for a lot of players uh, for the right price. If you want to take it. <laughs> If you want to take 50% of that salary and I can interest you in Milan Lucic or uh, another – if I can interest you in Chris Russell, no, I might have time for a 50% or a 66% Rasmus Ristolainen. Uh, I have a lot of time – you know, I have time for guys like Billy Mayno at the right price. Right? But, <laughs> but, but, but at $27 million plus a $10 million signing bonus, I do not. So – it's something like that. Do I want Risto? Sure. Uh, you have your people call my people, and we'll talk. All right. Sounds good. We'll, we'll only ask for R&H. Okay. Uh, anyway, moving on. <laughs> get out of here, Frank. I don't, get out of here. <laughs> All right. 
Chappie, thank you for joining us today oh, for the Left Doors podcast. You know where to find me. It's not that difficult, and it's a pleasure. So well, anytime, boys. We know where to find you. Tell the good people <laughs> where they can find you. Uh, you can find me online at uh, copperandblue.com uh, on the SB Nation Network, or you can find me on Twitter and tell me that I don't know anything at New Wave Oil, all one word. So uh, drop in uh, drop in for the pancakes and stay for the desserts. It's a good time. All right, pancakes and dessert. That's Jeff Chapman. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate your time. All right, thank you, Chappie. Thanks, bye now. That's Jeff Chapman with uh, SB Nation and Copper and Blue. And again, as he said, you can follow him at New Wave Oil on Twitter. It's good to hear from Chappie. Always. It's always good always to hear from good. Chappie. And, I mean, the more parallels that the Sabres and Oilers seem to have, I guess the more that we might need to get in touch with him. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm not going to go ahead and hope that we have to anytime soon. Because... Other than Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I don't know what else I'd want from there right now. I mean, I'd want Connor McDavid, but that's just not in the realm of possibility. Yeah, it's not. Unless he unless he asks for a trade. But then what's Buffalo giving up? Everything. Yeah. So, again, no worries there. So, Frank, I've got an interesting take on this thing with the whole uh, San Jose-St. Louis thing. So go right into uh, last night's game. Here's the here's the problem with sports. And it's also the beauty of sports. Mm-hmm. It's never perfect. No. Calls are going to get messed up. They happen all the time. And it's your job as a fan base to not get too salty about it. Even the obvious ones get messed up. We've and it's going to happen. It's becoming more apparent in We've this calendar year. We've seen a forward year. lateral be called straight up as a normal backwards lateral. We just saw a pass interference call not get called. It's tough being a ref, and they're going to miss some pretty obvious things sometimes. Refereeing is a tough job. It's it's extremely tough. Will I make fun of them for, my, for missing sure. it? Yes. Of course. But I'm also going to acknowledge, yeah, they, they, they kind of screwed that up. But at the yeah. same time, it's not like that. The whole yeah, in replay in slow motion, it's very easy to see that the whole thing in with, real time with a bunch of bodies hanging around. That might not have been seen, and it wasn't seen, and yeah. you can kind of see how. For me, it's this: the San Jose Sharks are getting rather fortunate these playoffs with some interesting calls in each round. That have allowed them to keep moving on. Yeah. So what does this all mean? It For me, it means that... means San Jose's winning the cup? Oh, it means San Jose might be winning the cup, but it also means sometimes you really just have to be lucky more than you have to be good. A lot of uh, Sharks fans are, go- are going at it like, oh, this is, this is the makeup for all the years of they get them getting screwed over in the playoffs. The only thing that they would do is they would screw themselves over. Yeah. So those fans got to remember something there. For the St. Louis but, fans, there's one thing you have to do. Don't be Saints fans. Ooh. And continue to bitch about it for four months. Yeah. First off, you let that game go into overtime. That's your fault. Kind of like how I said this about the Las Vegas thing. Mm-hmm. You let that game, like, Vegas – you let you let them you score let San Jose four, four goals, power play goals in one power play, and guess what? It's possible to kill a five minute 
power play. It's possible. You can let up one or two, you know, minimize the damage. You let up four. You gave the entire lead. And then you even forced overtime. So guess what? That's on you. St. Louis, you let Logan Couture tie it. That's on you. Yeah. There's nothing else I can say about that other than that's the beauty and sometimes frustrating part of sports is that it's always going to be imperfect. The dumbest goals happen sometimes. Yeah. And guess what? That's because sports are not perfect. Did they get the call wrong? Absolutely. Yeah, they did. Do I want more review in my hockey when offsides review already needs to be shot into the sun? No. No. Why put more into the hands of officials when you don't seem to like the officials? It's... I mean, it, it's also... The refs are just following the rules, too. They, they are correct yes. when, they, when it's said that that is a non-reviewable play. I don't, they are correct. In I the do rules. not get why. If you put review in, that should be something that could be reviewed. Oh, I know why because it's never happened before. Yeah. However, they do. It is apparent now that they need to modify the coach's challenge rule for going into next season. And now the question: So, if they know that they have to modify it, they have to find a way to make it so that everyone is happy. It's it's got to be as simple as this. If you're going to do a coach's challenge, it has got to be on one specific reason and one reason only. Kind of like how with the NFL and the coach's challenge, when they were initially introduced, mm-hmm. it was, what do you need to review? What are you looking at? I want to see if this guy had both feet down inbounds with the catch. Okay. You have to specify to the referee what you're looking for so I that he so. knows what he yeah. has to look for. Yeah, I look, that. that's what I was thinking too. The, you can challenge any play that happens, after one, but you can only make that challenge after the whistle, obviously. So in this, so in this case with last night, Craig Berube can go to the ref and say, hey, there was a hand pass right before that goal. Look at that. Look at it. Now here's the bad news. You ready? Hmm. This is the NHL. True. You think they're going to get this right? No. I'd rather they not touch it. I'd rather they ignore it, sweep it under the damn rug, because if the NHL tries to revise something with review, I've got 10 bucks that says it's going to go poorly. And if you actually have belief that the Saber, I mean, that the NHL is going to do it right, at me at Derek Kramer 49. I have no faith that they would do it right. But even then, like, I think that's the only thing that they can do that would that would be right. Just give the coaches one challenge per game and they could challenge whatever they whatever it they want to challenge. Yes. A penalty, the goal for the goal for this reason, anything. Yes. The NHL's not going to do anything about it, though. They're not going to get it right. I don't think they're going to get it right. No. And even if even if they do make changes to the challenge, they're going to do. They're, it's going to be dumb. It's going to yes. be stupid. That's exactly what I think. Is that they're going to do? They're going to they're going to change it and make it, and it's going to be stupid, or they're going to do nothing and piss everyone off more. I think I'd rather the latter. I'd rather they not. do You give me a choice. Well. I'm going to go ahead and say let's leave the NHL actually out of this part. Yeah. And just tell St. Louis fans, look. 
You got hosed. Welcome to the party. Yep. Happens. But but St. Louis has this now. It was only game three. Yeah. It's only game three. Sharks may be up two to one in the series. Win game four and you're right back. You're right back there. Yeah, you have an entire series left. This isn't this There's isn't still plenty of games left. Yeah. This isn't a do or die kind of instance. This wasn't yeah, this wasn't an elimination game. It wasn't game seven. No. It wasn't yeah. an elimination game in general. Yeah. So Hell, this game didn't even put you on the brink. Bounce back. Just bounce back now. Yeah. The, this game doesn't even the put players, you on the brink. The players said it right. Said everything right. We just gotta bounce back. Yeah, because like, it sucks, but it sucks, but we got to move forward. Yeah, like this game didn't even put it at three games no. for the Sharks. No, it's, it's only two to one. It's only two one. So if you lose the rest of the series, well, yeah, that part sucked, but it's still you only lost. responsible for getting them to halfway home. Yeah, there it is. That's my take on it. I think that for me, I don't care if it was the right call or wrong call, or that they missed the call. It's hockey. It's going to happen. And I'd rather the NHL not get more involved with this sort of thing because I know they're going to get it wrong. Yeah. This is just going to be sports aren't perfect. Take the L. And you're not even on the brink of elimination. So if you lose the rest of the series, it's on you. That's on you. Just like how it was on Vegas to give up four power play goals. Yep. Yep. Just like how... The Saints had, just like how the Saints had the ball in overtime. Mm-hmm. I'm amazed that all of the refs missed it. It is befuddling, but there's a lot of bodies around. Because I think and you can't really can... tell that he's directing the puck with yeah. his hand. Yeah, they could Cause... see that in live time and how fast things go as the puck bounced off of him. Because I think refs can overturn their their own like another ref's call. They say, hey, you know, ref will make a call, and the, and another ref will come in and say, hey, hey, no, 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 that's not the right call. Here's This is the right call. Yeah. And then they have a conference over it and yeah. everything like that. Yeah. I'm just surprised that none of the – that none of the refs went – converged and said – and said that – was that a hand pass? And they said – and all of them just must have – yeah, all of them just must have missed it. Like, I don't, I'm amazed at all four of them. Yeah. Like, it seemed like, it seemed like they all converged initially to talk about that play, about it possibly being a reviewable play, which they all agreed it's not, which is the right, which is the right call. But no one discussed whether or not that play was, was actually a hand pass. It was like, was that a hand pass? I couldn't tell. Yeah, we don't know what they were saying. We don't know. We don't know. That might have been discussed, but if the if they're not sure, I'd rather they just say okay. That's then it's a good goal. Yeah, they if they have to go call on the ice. Then they have to because you so, can't review it. It happened. If you're mad about it, well, first off, what stake do you have in it? Besides being a Blues fan. Well, that, I mean, that's the question. I mean, if you yeah. are a Blues fan and you're listening to this podcast, well, thanks. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Second, sorry. Third, you're probably not listening after what I said. Yeah. <laughs> you're not done. If you're a Blues fan, you're still listening right now. You're not done. It's not over. 
He can still come back. And if you lose the rest of the series, it's your fault. Yeah. Yeah. I don't uh I don't think it's a big deal. It it happens. These things happen. These I mean, playoffs it, I have mean, been rife is, with controversy, is, I mean, which is, is not good. Every round has seen like a what the hell moment. I mean, it is a big deal, but it's in this one case, it's okay. It was only in game. It, it happened in game three. At least it didn't happen in a game seven. Yes, it didn't happen. It, in it's still. Any it's just another list of like why the NHL needs to adjust, change the coach's challenge rule. But at the same time, you don't want them to because you know they're going to mess it up. Yeah. But again, you notice though that the Sharks every round have gotten some interesting calls. And there's the Vegas one with that five-minute power play. There's the Colorado one where there was an offsides in a game seven. Yep. And now there's this, but this one, only in a game three. The other two were game sevens. Mm-hmm. San Jose might be a team of destiny. I think the conspiracy of the refs want Joel Thornton to win the cup. The NHL's rigged for the San Jose Sharks. My column. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I did so many things to piss off my computer just now. Well, that's what you get. Sometimes it's all about the act, Frank. It's all about it. Take the bit too too far. You need to, sometimes you just have to commit. C O M M I T T T T T T T T T T T T T So what else you want to talk about? Well Maybe we could we could talk more about Kruger. We could. And here's my basic thought on it. Thank God. Two reasons. One, it's not Jacques Martin or Bob Hartley. Second reason, it's not Bob Hartley or Jacques Martin. Third reason, or my actual second reason, <laughs> you smart ass. This is a risk. Oh, yeah. Jason Botchel could have easily went with a safer hire. Like a tippet. Like a tippet. Or someone along those lines. Or Martin or Bob Hartley. Yeah. You could have went with the safer hire. The retread. So that he can kind of protect his job a little bit. Yep. Instead, he goes with the innovator. Yep. He goes with the guy that is an intriguing option in Ralph Kruger. We don't know if this is going to work because we sang the praises of the Phil Housley hire. Yep. We all did. Everyone did. Everyone was duped. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, this is it. I mean, this was a risk for Bottrell no matter what. Yes. No matter but, who he hired. Yes, but it's riskier because it's a guy with only 48 games of head coaching experience. Yes. So, he's ready. He's all in on this. And I'm interested to see what happens. Yeah, I would like to see where much. this goes. And I'm happy to know that they're at least not scared of a bold move still. Because here we are. here we were talking about... If the hire is Jacques Martin, I'm looking at a new general manager because this guy doesn't get it. Yeah. They're doing something different, and I'm all for that. This is big for me. 
I think that mm-hmm. you know it's big for the, for the first franchise. time in a while. For the first time in a while, the Sabres franchise is actually giving me a slight inkling of hope. Again. And now this leads you to Jeff Skinner. That's your next task. Skinner yeah. was interested in who the head coach would be. Yep. Duh. Anytime that you're looking at the chance of playing again for this team, you want to see who the coach is for the next couple of years. Because mm-hmm. you're going to sign a long-term contract. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that really was a no-duh at this point. Like, why is Jeff Skinner not signed? Well, he doesn't know who the boss is yet. Would you go apply for a job where you don't know where a boss is? Like, there's no boss there yet? No. No. What if they end up on Jacques Martin after after Skinner signs an eight-year deal? And they try to play trap hockey. Ugh. Get out. Exactly. I'm interested in where this goes. I'm excited about this hire. But I also have to say one other thing. And this is Mr. Jokey Joke time. How the hell did Ralph Kruger accept the job after talking to fans? We're kind of dumb. It was... We are not to be trusted with things. Let alone a head coach's opinion of our fan base. Yeah. (laughs) This doesn't pertain to everybody, but this happens. I've screened enough calls in my life at this station that I'm going to shame a couple of people right now. He went to different bars. He went to different bars, Frank. Here's my problem. I've screened enough calls at this station that I know the horrors. Yeah. I wonder what the percentage was of the people that talked to Ralph Kruger that said, we need to sign grit and toughness and fighters guy. I want to, what percentage of that guy talked to Ralph Kruger while watching some playoff hockey? Yeah. I want to know too. I'm terrified of the, I'm terrified of the percentage. I want to know what fans were saying to him. It would be very interesting. Yeah. But that even, said, I'm going to guess the percentage is rather low Yeah, for Kruger to be like, all right, let's do this. Yeah. So maybe he got lucky. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he talked to smart fans. Maybe he got lucky or we here just are not lucky with some of the people that call in. That too. That's not everybody. That too. I'm not making fun of everybody. I'm not shaming everybody. You got your opinions, they're your opinions, and that's okay. It's okay to be wrong sometimes. Hell I'm, the idiot. He, I mean, Hell, I'm the idiot that said Nathan Peterman will be fine <laughs> in his first game ever. <laughs> I'll always I'll always check myself. Before I try to get all higher or mightier than thou, I will always be the first one to say, well, this dummy over here said something about Nathan Peterman going to be okay in his first game in uh, <laughs> visiting the Chargers. So so don't worry about it. It's okay. It's okay to be wrong. Kruger did say that. When talking to Batro, he got the passion for coaching again. He originally said that he would only come back to the NHL in a, in a, like a president role, in a managerial role, not in coaching. The funny thing is, is that there were conversations between Batro and Kruger back in 2017. Yeah. I've got a question for you. Hmm. If I gave you a hypothetical on this. Yeah. Say they hired... Ralph Kruger, and he was able to leave Southampton in 2017. Yeah. And you didn't have Phil Housley. 
Would you take a timeline where the Sabres might have actually made the playoffs with Vander Kane, Ryan O'Reilly, Robin Leonard, Jack Eichel, and Sam Reinhardt, and Rasmus Ristolainen? Or would you take the current state of things where we do happen to get a Rasmus Dahlin? I think it depends on what other moves are made. What's the state of the franchise like in terms of the depth they have You've got now. a 2C. That's for one damn thing, damn sure thing, yeah. is that you got your 2C, yeah. and you end up with Casey Middlestad anyway. You do end up with Casey Middlestad anyway, but you don't we know have now that we you don't have Darlene, so you don't have your number one defenseman because we know now that Ristolainen's not. What's Ristol- what is Ristolainen playing like under Kruger in those two years? Is he playing? Is he better than what he is now? Is he that number one defenseman that he that we all thought he would be, or? Are they still or is the team still searching for that number one defenseman? I would say the good or news did is, they or did they get that number one defenseman through a, another trade? In the, what other moves? What what other moves are made? It, in the defense of that, in the defense of that hypothetical, you happen to now have elite center depth, and you can move instead of Ryan O'Reilly, you can move Casey Middlestat for that young stalwart defenseman. If you want to do that, yes. Um, like I said, it's in defense of that hypothetical because obviously you don't have the choice anymore. It's what happened. What's happened has happened. Yeah. I also can't guarantee how well the Sabres would have done under Ralph Kruger, but I can imagine that you have a team with Ryan O'Reilly, Evander Kane, Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhart, and Rasmus Ristolainen, and uh, eventually and Robin Leonard, yeah, who was Robin actually halfway goalie. decent. Yeah. And finished thirty friggin' first. Yeah. Yeah, I mean you don't know. So. That's what I am fairly certain about Ralph Kruger that wouldn't have happened. They wouldn't have finished in last. They wouldn't have been the very first team to finish in 31st place. Yeah. But that also would have meant you're not getting Rasmus Dahlin. But then again, you still don't know that. Hell, what if you end up winning the what second lottery you... pick or the third lottery pick and you get a Svechnikov uh, or Kaka uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's not a – Or anybody else. Or Brady Kachuk. Yeah, I mean, they could have finished like ten points out of the playoffs, where normally they'd be at like eleven, and they could have still won the lottery. Yep, because that has almost happened. True. Oh well, that I'm I'm not that kind of guy that generally goes ahead and says, "Would you rather?" No, but it was it's an interesting it's, thing for me to think thought. about. Yeah, it's a thought because what what would have happened there? You don't know. And it does sound like, too, that, I mean, with what we know now, I think Kruger was Batra's first choice all along. Yeah, it would seem that way. And and, and I'm also talking about in 2017 when he was, when Batra was first No, yeah, hired. I would agree with that. Because I, re, I remember Batra had said that Jim Rutherford recommended Kruger. Because because Kruger and Rutherford were together in Carolina mm-hmm. when Rutherford was the GM there, right? And Kruger was part of the Kruger. staff that won a Stanley Cup. Yes, that we don't talk about anymore. <laughs> you were the we one were, that told me to get I know, over it. I'm, I'm over it. I know. I'm joking. And I'm, could they I'm win joking. a damn game? Okay. Okay. That 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 yeah yes, but Rutherford recommended Kruger, so obviously Boucher talked to him, but. The way it sounded like he couldn't get out of his Southampton contract just yet. 
So Bao tried to go a different direction. That direction became Phil Housley. And now that Kruger was released from uh, his contract with Southampton this time around, Bowser can circle back. And they have the good conversations. And Kruger says, you know what? I want to coach again. Let's, yeah. let's, make, let's make it happen. It's it's great, though, that you know the, the fires were invigorated because of the conversations with Bochel, because he I mentioned— mean, they go back. They also go back. Yeah. Like, he does mention, though, that on Chopin Bulldog, he mentioned that there were different offers from Europe, and several yeah. NHL teams actually did contact him. And it was that he was like, this is the one that's getting me going here. This is the one that's rallying me up. Yeah. And that is something that I'm – like, obviously a coach uh, – I'm – I'm guessing that a coach is always going to be excited with a new opportunity to coach a team because, mm-hmm. you know, you seem wanted. But this seems like something where I wonder, it's like, But I wonder, it's like, okay, other NHL teams that talked to him, were they talking to him about coaching or were they talking to him about, like, a presidential role? I don't know. We don't and, know that. Because, but that's the thing is that that could be the only interesting teams, point. Because Edmonton and Anaheim, as of right now, are the only other teams that don't have coaches. Or there, I think there's a third. I don't remember the third. Ottawa? Yes, Ottawa. That's it. He mentions by first name Pierre, as in probably Dorian. So then that could that would have, yeah. So he's he's like, no, I don't want to go to Ottawa. Well, it's <laughs> not even that for me. It's more or less I think that it's, well, you you got someone here, and uh, I'm interested. I think it's a con- I think it's a combo of that the the job is open in Buffalo, and he's got the connections with Bottrell already. He knows. Because those two go wait, go back. Because mm-hmm. Bottrell's dad t- taught Kruger when Kruger was in elementary school, so he knows the family. Yeah. So those so right there, you're right there. You've got the connections. And with obviously with Rutherford too in Carolina, both both have worked under Rutherford. That that further establishes that connection. So when you when you have familiarity with a with a with a guy, and you're having good conversations, and yeah, it would reignite the passion for what you what you love to do. Yeah, I like I said, I'm interested to see what happens here. He's probably also he's probably also saw the saw a team that has Jack Eichel and Rasmus Dahlin and thinks, man, I want that. I want to coach those guys. We'll see. Who knows? And I'm again, I'm excited though that he is invigorated by yeah. the conversations from. What Jason Botchel had, you know, mentioned yeah. with him. So we'll see what happens. I'm yeah. I'm very ex- the more and more what we were reading into it. The more, when Kruger's name popped up the first time, the more and more you we read into it, the more and more excited you got. Mm-hmm. Did you see that the book that he wrote too? Have you seen that? No. Oh my god! Is it a book on hockey? It's literally. <laughs> It's mostly a just a I think it's just like just an autobiography. All right. But it's like all like just like about self-motivating. And this guy seems like he's And it and it's it's more so because it's the co- the cover of it is just great. It's just a cover of him like it looks like it's like him from the 80s. I'm going to Google this real quick. And it's just a great picture. I'm going to Google this on Twitter. And uh and see what happens here. So, all right, Frank, are you ready for me to get mad again? What do you want to get mad about again? 
Can the Carolina Hurricanes win a freaking game? I, I hope so. Because that'd be great. Here. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like he should be in Goldfinger. <laughs> this is This is the best picture of all goddamn time. It's fantastic, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it's fantastic. Like, seriously, he looks like 90s music video <laughs> for a punk and or ska music video. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. No, you're not. <laughs> you're not. Uh he has any sort of success. Like the hair, it just, he, it looks, I don't think it's frosted tips, but it looks like frosted tips. Okay, if, if he has success with the Sabres, we got to buy the book. If he has success with the Sabres, I might just get my hair done like that. <laughs> Try to pose the same way. You know what? If they make the Eastern Conference Finals under Ralph Kruger, I'll get my hair like that. Okay, I'll buy the book. For a week. I'll buy the book. I will. I will get my hair done for a week like that. Like this. I'm going to tweet out the picture. <laughs> you got to pose the exact same way. Yes, of course. And I've got to wear the, like, I'm, I, you got to wear the suit. I too. will recreate the picture and I will have the hair for a week. Yes. <laughs> That's the deal. I'll buy the if book. They make and the I East, will buy the book. If they make it back to the Eastern Conference Finals under Ralph Kruger in this three year contract, this initial three year deal here, yeah. I will wear my hair like that for a week. Okay. Bet. I'll do. Okay. Bet. Okay. Bet. Okay. <laughs> and I said, I will buy the book. I don't care how much it, how much it'll cost. What did I just do? <laughs> you want to do it though, because that would mean the Sabers are in the East final. That's true. I'm willing. To, I'm willing to risk my hair. Your hair. It's just your hair. I was gonna say my radio appearance. I'm willing to risk my radio appearance, my my looks for radio. To uh, I mean, you do have a to face look like. <laughs> I mean, you do have a face for radio. Yes, maybe the hair will actually help. Who knows? This, oh, this hair, this hairdo is amazingly awesome. This is I know. I this is it. '90s music video hair right here. <laughs> I can't wait. Now I'm excited. Mm-hmm. This is yep. That's the greatest picture I've ever seen. And. <laughs> Uh, yes, yes, we will, we will get a picture of me replicating that look in the book. Now, here's the bad news for me. Yeah. Potential bad news for me. Really yeah. good news for Sabres. Um, would be, I mean, the Carolina Hurricanes just made the Eastern Conference Finals this year. They were out of a playoff spot halfway through. Yeah. And now they can't win a damn game. Because once again... Boston. I can't have anything nice in this world, and I hate the Boston Bruins, and they're just being a bunch of dinks. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, Carolina can't score. Big bad Boston. I go to a bar and get some chowda. My friend Sully from Worcester. Step off, Boston. I hate you all so much. Rask has been fantastic. I got to give him that. The funny thing is that he lets in an absolute muffin to make it two to one. Yeah. 
and he stonewalls everything else. Yeah. He's allowed seven goals in his career in the Eastern Conference Final. I don't believe you. Seven? It might be eight. Seven? Now. Or eight? Yeah. How many times has the man been in the Eastern Conference Finals? This is the second time. Really? The first time was 2013. Oh, Thomas. Yeah. That's the right. first time was 2013, and when they, when they swept Pittsburgh. And now they're on the verge of sweeping Carolina. And you do that by letting in single-digit amount of goals in eight games. Yes. That makes some sense. I hate it. <sighs> Fine. Whatever. Boston, go ahead. Go to the Stanley Cup. But I do want lose, the ultimate. I do want. Lose to the Sharks. I do want the because ultimate. Of a, because of a really bogus call. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Don't just lose to the Sharks. You want to know what I want? I want the connection to go full circle all the way from start to finish in the playoffs. Joel Thornton scores the no. overtime winning goal you ready? against Here Boston. Here it is. In Boston. The New York Islanders swept Pittsburgh. Yeah. Who then got swept by Carolina. Yeah. Who then gets swept by Boston. Who then gets swept Who by then gets swept by the Western Conference champion. So San Jose. Or St. Louis. It could be either. I mean, let's go. I mean, San Jose. Let's be real. I mean, it's. Oh, that would be the ultimate revenge because then Joe Thornton lifts a cup in front of the Boston fans. No, that's exactly it. Well, if it's swept, it'd be in San Jose. Yeah, it's true. It would be but it'd San be in overtime. Joel Thornton scores the winning goal. Beats the team that drafted him. And, and then and traded it's, him for and peanuts. It's probably, and it's probably mired in controversy because sharks. Yeah, exactly. And it's also <laughs> mounted controversy. And then, oh, and then I can hear Boston fans cry foul. It's like, dude, you were down three games to none before this moment. What happened? So let's do that. Exactly. Let's, let's draw that plan up. There we go. Yeah, exactly. All right, I'll take that, but still. But if you wanted to be in Boston, they would have to win a game. Make it in game five. <sighs> but then that requires Boston to win a game, and I don't want that. But watching Joe Thornton lift the Stanley Cup in front of them in Boston would be would be great. You're not wrong. How about this? Watching Joe Thornton lift the cup, beating Boston, no matter where it is, would be great. Again, you're not wrong. Okay, good. All right. I just want Joe Thornton to win the cup. He, he deserves it. All right, are you ready for the idiot of the week? What'd you do? Hey! <laughs> the hell's that supposed to mean? Uh, you're an idiot. <laughs> First off, takes one to know one. Second off, we're doing <laughs> yeah. a bit. Second off, we're doing a bit now on the podcast. Okay, and, uh, great. This is, it's going to be called Idiot of the Week. Okay. You ready for this? What happened? So, idiot of the week. Yes. Whoever runs the NFL draft's official Twitter page. Oh, I saw that tweet. If you haven't, the official account of the NFL draft, again, the official one, tweet it out. Let me get the exact words. Wasn't it like... Let me get the exact words. Okay. All right. Hey, NFL, we want a draft lottery too. (laughs) No, we don't. And no, we don't. That's the first thought I had on that. What the hell are you trying to do there? 
official NFL draft, official NFL draft account. You know, the account that's official to the NFL draft. Apparently trying to be funny. If they're being serious, it's pretty dumb. But, you ready for this part? This beauty? Hmm. If that happened, people decided to look up, okay, if the uh, 2019 NFL draft order would have shaken out if it was similar to uh, the NBA lottery. Mm -hmm. Do you know who had had the first overall pick? Who? The Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, my God. Do you know who would have had the second pick? Who? I'm going to skip that. Okay. Do you want to know who had the know, thir- Okay. Do okay. you want to know who has the third pick? The Arizona Cardinals. So they still get their quarterback. You want to know why? Because first is Jacksonville. Oh, they might have actually taken Kyler Murray. Dig back up Nick Foles. Yeah. <laughs> and the Buffalo Bills would have been selecting second oh, yeah. overall. Oh, they would have got Quinn and Williams. Yeah. They wouldn't have had to trade up for him. No. And Daniel Jones would have probably been selected to the New York Giants at pick nine. Yep. <laughs> yep. Or Dave Gettleman would have traded up to take Daniel Jones at pick six to get in front of the Raiders. Yep. So Daniel Jones probably still goes sixth overall. <laughs> Wait, the Raiders had a chance to take Daniel Jones, and they passed on him. So uh, They did. They took Farrell. They still would have taken him. Actually, real quick, I want to – Want to do a? I want to do a mock mock draft of the lottery. Okay, one through, so one through fourteen. Okay, so Jacksonville is at one. Jacksonville at one. I would say they take Nick Bosa. Yes, because they ended up with uh, Josh Allen, and they probably would have just taken the best pass rusher available or one of the best players available. I would have think that it'd be Nick Bosa or Quinnen Williams. I would. I, I think it would have been Bosa. And then that gives the Bills Quinnen Williams. Yeah. Pick three to the Cardinals. Kyler, Kyler Murray. Murray. Pick four Bengals. Oh, since he had picked four? Since he would have vaulted all the way to pick four. Would they have taken Allen? Probably. They ended up with an offensive lineman, though. They took Jonah Williams. Yeah, but I don't think they would have taken one that high if they were that high, though. That's true. They probably would have went with Allen. I probably would have went with Josh Allen, yeah. I'd agree with that. Pick five, the 49ers. No Williams, no Josh Allen, no Nick Bosa for them. Mm-hmm. But, hmm, that's interesting, actually, what the, what the 49ers would have done. Devin White? Probably. Stampa took him at five. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that. Or they might have even gone with the likes of that Oliver. Yeah. Or Cleveland Farrell. No. <laughs> uh, all right, so pick six, the Jets. Uh, that that they probably would have taken Oliver. Yeah, that's where Ed Oliver ends up, and the Bills and yeah. Jets swap D-tackles. Yeah. Seven, the Raiders, Cleveland Farrell? I would assume so. <laughs> Then uh, you said Devin White, right? Yes. So Tampa loses out on him, but I think they go Devin Bush. Yeah. Pittsburgh. They still get a linebacker named Devin. Yeah. Pittsburgh wouldn't be able to trade to 10. Pick nine, Giants, Daniel Jones. 
Yeah, assume so, yes. Guess what? Pick 10, the Lions. TJ Hawkinson, probably. Uh, hey, yeah, yeah. Look at that. We get one that stays the same. Pick 11, the Broncos. They probably stay the same. Oh, wait, no, they well, traded they back. they traded out. They traded out of there. They traded out because they were, they were originally at pick 10. Yeah. And they traded it to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh took Bush. They had wound up with Noah Fant. Yeah. I think that they probably go offensive line like Jonah Williams or something there. Yeah. And would. then they wouldn't have had to take Risner in the second round. Mm-hmm. Because we can't mock a trade in this hypothetical either. Yeah. Pick 12 is the Dolphins. And the Dolphins. They probably stick with Christian Wilkins. And the Dolphins at pick 13 took Christian Wilkins. And then pick 13 is the Packers, and they ended up with Rashawn Gary. Probably stayed same. And then pick 14, the Falcons. Chris Lidstrom. Chris Lidstrom. Which, by the way, the Falcons would have stayed at pick 14. Yep. The only one that didn't change. <laughs> well, that was fun. That's fun. That said, official NFL draft account, you're stupid. Yeah. Because it's really hard to tank in football. It is. You either have to rip a team apart and void it of all hope like the Oakland Raiders did, and they still ended up at four. Mm-hmm. Or you just have to be absolute booty, forget about an offensive line, miss on your draft picks in the first round since 2015 at minimum, and still be able to employ the guy whose judgment is so bad at this point that he gets pulled over for DUIs because he doesn't get a cab despite having tons of money. Steve Kime should be fired is what I'm getting at. Yeah. So how funny was the NBA draft lottery on Tuesday? I mean, more so just, I I just found it really funny with all the Knicks fans. They're in the top four. And and then they're like, oh my God, yes, we're getting pick one. Yes, oh my God. And then they're at pick three. And it's just sheer disappointment. They still have an outside shot at John Morant. Well, a lot of the talk. I right can't even say legit. The, I can't even say outside shot. They have a legitimate chance at John Morant. Mm, a lot of the talk is that Memphis is going to take him at two. But again, there's still a chance at it. There's still a chance, but as of right now, for the Nick Zion is going to New Orleans. Morant's likely going to Memphis. The Knicks probably are going to get RJ uh, Barrett, and that's a Zion's player's teammate. And that's Which a player is still that, a good player. The, that's also the player that the Knicks have been linked to, yeah, a decent amount. So, yeah, you're still getting a pretty damn good player here. Zion, John Morant, and then, <laughs> and then you could end up with a Duke teammate that could do just as well for you. <laughs> yeah. But R.J. Nick, Barrett's Nick's fans, there. Knicks fans are like, we want we want this kid from Duke. They get R.J. Barrett. Not that kid, the other one. We went, we met the other one. Well, guess what? You can't always well, get what you want. Yeah. Also, you're the Knicks. And then the Lakers are at pick four, which is pretty interesting for them. Think about this. Two of the what teams. What is with the Lakers, by the way? Two of the only thing that I know that is being run worse is the New York freaking Jets. The Giants? No, I said the Jets. I know, but the Giants exist. Yeah, but at least they kept their general manager after free agency <laughs> and the NFL draft. <laughs> and Adam Gase is a head case. Yeah. 
gets the general manager fired just a couple months into his job. Yeah. Takes over as interim GM. Yep. And then trades linebacker Darren Lee for pennies. Yep. Adam Gase is the gift that keeps on giving for Bills fans and Patriots fans, it seems. Because he ruined the Dolphins. Yep. And now, looks like he's going to ruin the Jets. I feel bad for Sam Darnold. I don't. I like Darnold. He's a good kid. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't feel bad for him. Because, hey, it me, a division rival. Like, yeah. I feel bad for the kid. I feel bad for him. I think he'll be okay. He'll be probably be fine. He's a good his head case of a, his head case of a coach is going to get fired in two years. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Man, probably. Adam Gase, you are just all sorts of stupid, man. Have fun. All right, man. Thank you for listening to the Leftovers podcast. Derek Kramer. Frank R. Curry. Thank you to Jeff Chapman for joining us to talk about the Krugs. Yeah, I'm calling them the Krugs. Why? Because I'm probably going to get hair that looks like the Krugs. No, that's the Krugs. The guy in the book is the Krugs. He is Ralph Kruger, but that man on that book, that's the Krugs. I'll tweet that out as well, so be be on the lookout for that. But, yes, that's that's coming down. Like, I'm stamping this right now. If the Sabres make the Houston Conference Finals within the three years of Ralph Kruger as the head coach, I will get my hair done like that it is on the cover of his book. And Love I will it. get a picture of with that pose and everything. Love it. There it is. I'm willing to do it, and I'm willing to go ahead and put my stupid hair on the line for it. So thank you for listening. And, hey, next week we'll get Kyle back. Look at that. Things will be nice. normal. We'll, we'll be back to normal here. PGA Championship is uh, this week This week too. That's true. Hey, uh, if, if I'm a major of the year. I, I always got to do this for, for my friendos at the Tia de Green Golf Show. Mm-hmm. Listen to them. Two hours, actually, on Saturday. Ooh. Yeah, you get two hours worth of Brian, Kevin, and Jeff from 7 to 9 a.m. on Saturday morning. So give that a listen as well. They'll give you their picks as the weekend rounds up in the PGA Championship, and they'll give you all the coverage of what's going on so far. Just some notables right as of right now. Brooks Kepka, the defending champion, is leading the pack with at six under for today. He is through sixteen holes. Yeah. Tommy Fleetwood, uh three shots back at three under. He shot he finishes round with a sixty seven. Tiger Woods, everyone's gonna be following him. Right now, one over par. Ah. But it's very close though, with a with a lot everyone else. Because right now it's Kepka one at six under. You got a dude, Luke List, four under. He's second. Fleetwood's third at three under. You got a couple guys at two, a bunch of players at one, and then a lot of players at even par. And then there's Tiger. So a big first day from Kepka might help out here. Yes. That dude's good. He's very good. He's also jacked. Yes. All right. Thank you for listening. And, uh, hey, who knows? Hopefully we can get to the Eastern Conference Finals next year and it can look like the Cougs. Then again, who knows? We could miss that call, too.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.